we don't need faces where we're going because this is a radio show. (laughs) (laughs) Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 159 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam. I'm the ponderer of numeric quantities. I'm Sam, and I'm the 2D artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is July 2018. (laughs) Good word, I like that. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show, we're going to be just cursing. Just. It's just going to be a bucket of curses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, just be prepared to be cursed for the rest of your There's life. It's going to be hexes. We're gonna, we're going to. I'm, I'm making voodoo dolls right now. Mm-hmm. I am putting my swears on the blockchain so I can keep track of them. Yeah, and who I'm they just, belong to. Yeah, and I'm doing an ICO. It's an initial curse offering. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm opening <laughs> up a new coin. Hex coin. Hex coin. Mm-hmm. Where I just every time I every time I drop an f bomb. You could buy you could buy right that S bomb and you could share it on the block. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is as good as as good of an ICO idea as any, I think, I like that I've heard. Well, At least there's a, there's a purpose. You know? Well, and there's only a finite number of times you can say any word. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Before you get hoarse and you need to drink of water. Yeah. But don't you run into a scenario where someone who's maybe a aficionado of this hex coin would want to make you swear? Yeah. Oh, now true. this is going to, con- just like Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin is contributing to global warming a lot because of all these people <laughs> buying GPUs and just dumping, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using lots of power. Now, if everybody's just marching down the street, just dropping F-bombs mm-hmm. all day long. Wait, I thought it was only you saying F-bombs. Yeah, though. I thought it was just you. Yeah, but no, this is a this is a, this is a cryptocurrency. It's a distributed ledger. Yeah, anybody yeah, but, can but mine. You need, you need oh, a, anybody can mine. Because it can, it can be a distributed can ledger that only you can add new coins into. Yeah. Because then then that's, like, that's how most of these companies work. Oh, that's, that's a great. That's, that's, you know, I don't know much about scams, but that sounds exactly like that. <laughs> Just kidding. I played Eve online and I know a lot about scams. Mm-hmm. Did you ever finish your last scam? We won't get into it. No, obviously. here's what happened. I was trying to, okay, I was good. I was doing a heist mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm going to work my way up the corporate ladder and I'm going to steal everything. This is Eve online. Is it a video game? The video game. Yeah. And in, and in butterscotch shenanigans. <laughs> You're already at the top. I'm already at the top. It's time to steal. But then what happened was I, I realized I can't do this. <laughs> I'm what? not a dick. I don't want to, <laughs> I mean, I, these people are fine. They're just having a good time playing this game, you know, and I could, I could get in there. I could steal everything, mm-hmm. just everything. I found a, I found a corporation where like, once you've been in there for 30 days, they just give you access to all their blueprints. Amazing. It would have been billions, billions of this. <laughs> and I got access to it and I opened up the little item hanger. And I saw those blueprints and I was just like. I'm just going to, I'm just going to rest now. I'm <laughs> knowing that I could. That was the, <laughs> you just wanted the power. I needed an emotional heist uh, where I could just like yeah. get to the you position. steal some happiness. I could get to the position where. But I only know, from yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. where I know I can steal. And, and then don't. I don't. And I then I truly win deep down because now I sort of get to realize how amazing. You know, this is I kind am. of like that. <laughs> so last night we went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. And. Yeah. My wife is all about fun. smuggling homemade popcorn into the theater. And before before she started cooking it, I was like, she's all about it. You just need a cheap thrill. Like, is that what we're doing? You know, you got to shove this. And so she's got this huge Tupperware box and it's got those clicky, the clicky lids. And so you have to pick a really good time to unclick it because otherwise it's very obvious. That there are other kinds of lids. Nah, but but it's it's part there's of also the thrill. Like Ziploc bags. This is what I'm saying. Though. It's part you gotta, of the thrill. You gotta you know? be do yeah. You gotta be like you can't be too it. subtle. Otherwise, people will fun. people will definitely not know that you're doing it. You, you want to have a little adrenaline rush while you're eating your popcorn. You want maybe. that feeling of knowing that there might be a. Uh, Does she know that there actually is no consequence? I think that's the thing. Both of us do know that, but we pretend (laughs) that there might be consequences. Yeah, nobody smuggling popcorn. (laughs) This is a very elaborate. uh, You gotta get cheap thrills where you can. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. That's life. Has she ever ever brought like a Ziploc bag full of Diet Coke or something? (laughs) (laughs) Just like hold it up and like slurp at it. Snip the corner with scissors and just like just drain it. We haven't gone that far. We did bring. We brought a bunch of strawberries, a bunch of fruit in. Once, did you bring like a fondue? Yeah, fondue pot. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but there was this reminds me, there was this College of Humor episode uh, or, or video which we should find online, uh, which is which is the person who like sneaks shit into the movie theater, but yeah. it keeps on escalating 
to the point where where I think at one point towards the end she brings in walls and then like hangs a plant and like it's her apartment. It's her office. <laughs> <laughs> and then has a has a dinner party. So people come over and they're like, Oh, this new place is great. <laughs> it's hysterical. And like it just reminded me I showed my wife and I was like, This, this is, is you. This is you this in is five a years. farcical version of you. It's incredible. I love it. It was a great movie. Yeah, it was very fun. Ant Man the Wasp would recommend. Yep. Uh but here's the thing. Hmm. Sam and Diana were sitting uh, three seats away from me, mm-hmm. and I did not get any of this popcorn. We offered. Okay. I mean, I offered it. I just, I just want to, I just want to make sure we address the elephant in the room, which, which is, is that I didn't get any of this popcorn. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just drank my vanilla caffeine-free diet coke, uh-huh. and that was my whole dinner. Okay. Well, I mean, the other thing is that Diana <laughs> makes a spiced popcorn that will just cause coughing fits for those who aren't initiated. So I think. I've been making chili powder popcorn. I've been practicing. Okay. If you're ready. I spent all this time rehearsing. If you're ready. I didn't get a single no kernel. Popcorn. Next time we go, we'll we'll smuggle a bigger bucket in. Which is even more exciting. What you got to do is I'll just occasionally open my mouth and you just keep an eye out. If you're in just, your periphery and just hurl, hurl <laughs> kernels over. I'll catch them. I like it. Yeah. No one will notice. No one will notice. Probably not. Probably not, actually. All right. Well, let's get on to the news. <laughs> the news of the day. Uh, for starters, we'd like to thank... Uh, a few folks who who gave us some tips over at tips.bscotch.net through our our Ko-Fi. Yeah, these account. aren't tips like like news, news tips. tips. This is uh, you know this money, is money tips. We got this money. Is, this is really worth something. Yeah, you know? money specifically. <laughs> uh, uh, so we want to thank uh, Chris Comu, Jer McBain, and Mister Ward. Mm-hmm. Thanks uh, a ton. Yeah, for we've got several hundred more coffees in our bellies mm-hmm. this this week. Yeah, we've, real uh, jittery. I am. We've been going into death I'm going into a, renal failure. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. I feel I, yeah. I uh, you know you can drink so much coffee. We're next going to start a GoFundMe to uh, pay for Seth's renal failure. Yeah. Health expenses. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. So we're going to be changing the terms on our Ko-Fi page. You're not going to be buying us uh, coffees anymore. Dialysis. You're going to be buying hours. us kidneys, mm-hmm. just straight up. And they're. It turns out they're more expensive than you'd think. You know? Kidneys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not $4 like a coffee. No, no. well, it's, the thing is, like, you can accidentally make a pair of kidneys. That's true. You know? Mm-hmm. So you'd think that they would just be all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And everyone has an extra one, right? Everyone's got an, everyone's got an extra That's one. That's true. I mean, just in the United States alone, there are just 300 million There's extra kidneys. surplus There's of just, kidneys. Yeah, they're just laying around. They, they, should, be, they, they should be free. They're just hard to get, though. Like to to get them, you just put your hand. You just punch, like <laughs> you, you just, just squeeze your hand in there. Just take you it. just got to get in there. <laughs> it's got kidneys. I don't. I, don't I just don't see right. the problem. Studio news. <laughs> first things first. Let's talk about that game that we're building. It's called Level Head. Mm-hmm. It's a game where you build levels mm-hmm. and then play them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Last week, something happened, which caused us to divert our production resources toward controller support. Mm-hmm. Namely, Adam was like, let's have controllers. Let's have controllers. <laughs> Namely, because he said, I don't want to play this game unless it has couch co-op. Yeah. And Seth and I were like, That's I a just good point. I had a realization two weekends ago where all of a sudden, I was sitting down trying to play video games and all of a sudden I was just like, I don't, I don't even like video games. Uh-huh. I just like spending time with people I like. And which video is, games are just a great way to do Exactly. That. And so my wife and I were sitting down like trying to play various games together, do some stuff, but almost no games are fun for co-op. Mm-hmm. Almost none of them. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is, but almost no games. It's have very hard co-op. to find a good couch co-op or otherwise a large, large time sync co-op. Yeah, Especially and they and they do time. exist. There are some. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there are none, but it's a remarkably tiny fraction of games as they come out. And so on Monday we were chatting about just studio. What we're going to be doing with our lives, quarterly reviews sort of stuff. And Adam was like, "You guys need to put this in." Shut up about it. And I said, yes, but that means we have to do controller support. So we did that. So, yeah. Yep. So now we have controller support and co op. Yeah. And we're doing up to four players. Why? Because who gives a shit? It's 2018. Mm -hmm. And the best part about this is uh, so the way you'll set it as far as how you build your level, because we had this this large discussion about how do you know how many people are going to be playing your level? And we and said, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? It's 2018. The reality is that uh, from what we've experienced in playing games like uh, Super Mario for the Wii. Right, which I think is still one of my favorite platforming co-op. It is very fun. Uh, this is one that so Adam was getting his PhD here, or again doing a postdoc work. What was it? I guess regular doc, that? regular doc work uh, in St. <laughs> Louis. He was a doc. He was a doc worker. Yeah, pre-doc work. Um, <laughs> he was a doc worker uh, at a bio lab here in St. Louis, and I was in college here in St. Louis in my sophomore year. And uh, 
you had, I think you had like, you're usually just working your ass off. But one weekend, Adam was like, hey, do you want to play some some video games together? So we mm-hmm. played Super Mario Bros. for the Wii. I believe you brought over just like a six pack of booze. We we destroyed the game in like an eight hour session. Mm-hmm. And it was honestly some of the most fun I've ever had in like a gaming and anything. The key to it is because it's a it's a purely cooperative experience mm-hmm. because they made it so that the that your characters can hate each other yeah. and can interact with each other in interesting ways, often to their detriment. But also the levels are actually just built for one person to beat. Right. They're not so it doesn't co op campaign. It really doesn't help to have two players. It's just, no. fun. It's it's just but fun. It, like it kind of does it's because, fun because there's just new interactions. Yeah. Like there's right. this new random element to the level, yeah. which is the other person right. in your way. <laughs> I mean, because as long as one person makes it to the end, then you then you beat it. Yeah. Right. And which then sounds like it should be a lot easier because also there are ways to, you know, rescue each other if you mm-hmm. die or whatever. So it sounds like it should be a lot easier. But because of the fact that you can kill each other on accident it or on of purpose. It's kind of in the wash. Yeah, it kind know? of ends up in a wash. Uh, and so it's just a blast. Yeah, it's so fun. So we we look at that and uh, and yeah, a lot of the designs we ended up taking from from that and from a few other co-op sort of platforming games. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the crazy thing about it is I mean, if, you see, if you think about those Super Mario Maker levels that are just wacky, you think about how fun it would be to sit down with two friends and try to like work your way through some yeah. of that stuff. Uh, and so the way we're going to do it is that you actually will set your, you set the minimum required number of players because you could, as a level designer, build a level that maybe you have to have four players, each with the different power-ups, sort of like almost like going into a dungeon, right? WoW style, that you got to really use teamwork to get through the whole thing. But it's also the case that single player levels can support all four players. And so there's actually just a minimum that you need to set. Yeah. Uh, like this level requires at least two people. Because for example, people. one of the things you can do uh, with with two players already is you can jump off each other's heads, mm-hmm. right? And so one person can try to jump across the chasm, another person can jump, hit them in the head, kick them down to their death, and then go flying but up, bounce mm-hmm. to, to success, mm-hmm. right? It's all about about crushing your friend's dreams and elevating your own. Well, it reminds me of that, that <laughs> hilarious. Uh, there's that animated short of Super Mario uh, with Yoshi. Yes. He ejects Yoshi into a pit, and it's like an animated thing, and then Yoshi's Mario. weeping as he sort of goes down under the cliff, and Mario's doing a flip and just flips him off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is, My of course, Yoshi thing. is the unsung hero of the Mario world because— How many times have you ejected him to his doom so you can get that extra jump? Yeah. You know? He just gives you a double jump, but you have to kill him basically <laughs> to get it. And now is, your friends will be doing that. Oh, which is horrifying. It's very savage. Yeah, and we also—so we, we have a power-up in Levelhead called the Ignium Chassis. Which makes you kind of look like a knight. Uh, it's like a cauldron on your back. You've got like a cauldron. You're like turned into a cauldron knight thing. And you've got this in your hands turned into this giant like red blazing fist. Mm-hmm. And you do sort of like a Wario style charge just attack. punching the hell out of stuff. And when I first implemented it, I was just, I was in tears laughing because when I hooked it up to the enemies, I just made it so that they just flew off the screen at like 7,000 pixels per mm-hmm. second. And it's just fucking hilarious. <laughs> so they leave a smoke trail and they have like, like air, like mock ring, mm-hmm. like sound breaking the sound barrier rings. And so then we had a multiplayer. I was like, I mean, you, you have to be able to do this to your friends. <laughs> so now you can, you can span great distances by being punched across <laughs> by your friends. <laughs> um, yeah. So then as far as the, the one concern we had then was the question of leaderboards, which yep. is like, okay, if you've got, if you can have any number of players, how do you handle the leaderboards problem? Because yeah. Cause it will be, like, even though there's kind of cost and benefits and whatever, it just truly will be different to play a game with one person yeah. versus two people. Which yeah. is the leaderboard is going to be wacky. So yeah. if, you have, like if you beat it with four people, that seems like it's kind of inappropriate to put that on the same yeah. list as the one person. So, yeah. so the way we did it is, is then we just said the minimum number of players you set for the levels you build is thought to be the intent, the in, design intent. the intended number of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then anybody who plays it with more than that, they won't submit scores to the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. You have to beat it with the requisite. It's just number. for fun. Yeah. At that point, you're just playing it for fun and who cares, mm-hmm. right? Which is you know, how you should be playing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all about having a good time. Right? Yeah. Um, so we've we've got that. And now we're now we're at the point where we're just kind of tweaking it and getting it into a, a good spot. But it was also a fun thing because, I mean, the game's been diverging from, uh, you know, especially from games like Super Mario Maker for a while now. Like we've had sort of the, the core set of stuff in there that we've been building on top of. But something like adding that couch co-op element, we just start like sort of really pushing that that the difference uh, that the game can actually bring into the market and stuff, which is really exciting. Like that's yeah. a, we talk about this a lot, but there's, there's so much work that goes into just sort of catching up with the current state of whatever the genre is that you're in. And then actually the, the, the really fun stuff about making a new game only comes after that. 
So it was kind of like in Crashlands, we had to build, it was a year, a year and a half in development before we got to a point where we could put a huge story into it. Right. We had to build sort of generic survival crafting game. Exactly. Then we got things like creature taming and all these mm-hmm. RPG elements and story stuff. and That's our differentiating, that. yeah. yeah. So that's one thing to keep in note if you are making games or even just any creative work is that there's this really long chunk of time where it's just kind of the same as the, the other stuff. T- the whole time you're like, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think, the, I think actually the problem is, is that most people stop yeah. at that point. Once, once they feel like they've kind of matched the genre, then this is for indie developers, mm-hmm. right? And they say, cool, like I've made a polished product that I can now go sell. There are people who are into this kind of game because look how many are right. in the market doing pretty well. Uh, but what you've actually done is created a game that's just like all the others. So now you're competing. Now you're competing. Which is no fun at all. Nope. And people are already playing the thing that they like that's the same as yours, and they've already paid for it. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. got you to get to that point and then differentiate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're pretty excited. We're, it's like every week there's some new thing that just puts yeah, us further and further onto our own weird path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Also, we got a Steam page set up, uh, which is, I guess, that's a thing you can do. Yeah. This is in beta. So Steam has right? these dev pages now, and the whole idea is, again, to try to assist with discoverability. There's now 180 games coming out a week on Steam, which still, who cares? Because we come from mobile where there's 700 a day, so it's fine. We're like, <laughs> 180 a week. <laughs> so, But the, part of the, one of their one of their tricks they're trying to use to, you know, help discoverability is make it so devs can start up a dev page. And so it essentially acts like, a little hub for your studio in terms of the games you've made, the news and all, all stuff like that. So we went ahead and got that set up uh, last week. And thanks to the mods actually, because we had, it's kind of a weird, it's clearly kind of like a little bit of a duct tape solution as far as Steam's yeah. concerned. So they kind of co-opted one of the previous things, which is these groups idea. Um, and you had to have a unique name and, and the Butterscotch shenanigans group already existed because our mods made it a long time ago for fans of the studio. Like four years ago or something. And so, uh, the mods I went back and forth quite a bit actually with Mia Kitty and Old River and to kind of figure out how to get it. I had to get it to take it from them. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so there's a bit of a, a sort of you know go back and forth there, but we ended up getting it done. And, and they so, were like, "What's it worth?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we ended up now. If you go to steam.bscotch.net, you can find our dev page. And what that'll do if you follow us is anytime we launch a game or put out a big announcement on that platform, then you'll get. I think an email alert about it. If you, if your email yeah, settings so like we have, or just if we have a big patch, mm-hmm. um, new features, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. yeah. So it's just one one more way to keep up to date with what's going. Yeah, so on. we don't know what the value is going to be as far as does it matter uh, because yeah. we only launch one game every while. Yeah. So it, I think as a big publisher, it's awesome. Like yeah. Devolver, for example. I mean, they have like tons of games, but and they release something regularly, you know, every couple of months almost. But even then, I think that's also that's a that's a weird question from the player's perspective because if you're a publisher that's that's publishing a wide variety of games, then if I subscribe to your dev page, now I'm just getting like a random, whole bunch you're just getting of random, random games. You might, you might as well just be going to the Steam. I mean, I guess, I guess if you're, think, if you have a reputation as like only publishing yeah, think, quality well, stuff. Well, I think it's like, I mean, devs or publishers like Devolver have a very specific sort of general brand ethos. And yeah, they have like yeah. puzzle games or whatever else, but gritty and kind of weird, weird, just weird and fun. I think yeah. that's the way I think about it. Yeah. But, so there's that. So it's it's happening. Steam.bscotch.net. Get mm-hmm, over there. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you sign up or follow, follow or something. Just yeah, push it. We don't, we don't know what it's for, but you know maybe maybe you can help us find out. Speaking <laughs> of things that we don't know what it's for, ah. I streamed development again last weekend. Yeah, you hit uh, what, twenty people. Hit twenty one. That means you've actually you've doubled in growth week over week. Wow. So this is pretty good. Keep it up. Uh, I, yes, I intend to, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be doing it again this upcoming Saturday. I've um, got another, another round of messages from people saying like, that was awesome. Thank you. Uh, it's like really interesting to see mm. how, you know, how these things come together under the hood. This, this week was a lot more sort of like in the, in the weeds programming of like setting up systems and stuff. So it, I was happy to see that even though it was not as sort of action packed and exciting that people still responded pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot about how to not be a garbage uh, person on good. Twitch because yeah. there's all kinds of things that like it's a whole culture. There's like all these, there's all these uh, ways of doing things that people expect. Mm. So I learned, for example, if you're like, Hey, I'm going to take a quick, you know, five minute break. You don't just like go offline. Apparently you, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to like what switch the screen. Yeah. You, you got to set up a separate little mm-hmm. scene. And so I, I created a scene. that was kind of like a cool uh, mix of all of our box art. And then it mm. says, you know, be right back. And then it plays. I was wondering if it was going to be the toilet car. 
from the uh I don't I don't know where that is. Me neither. So, I'll go find but it then it's got <laughs> be right back, toilet car time. Uh, and just constant flushing yeah, noises. So I was like, you know, if you want to make some stuff, you know, I'd be cool. I'll make you a toilet car. And so but then I so I play the crash lands loading music, you know, during that mm-hmm. away screen. I mean and then people do stuff like they've you got, have a you could have a loading bar that just like starts at Zero and just goes real slow. Or does it? And then it goes past the end. (laughs) (laughs) Does that thing that the Windows one always does, which is it loads to ninety nine percent? The estimated time is just flipping all over the place. Four days, two minutes, thirty seconds. Yeah, (laughs) just got to keep them guessing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually, just have a random time generator. Mm-hmm. And have yeah. the bar keep on moving up, and then just have it stop. Yeah. Just right. And then there's right there's one the other end. thing that I that I want to do that I I don't know if I can pull it off because I I might have lost my equipment. Um, <laughs> but I was watching uh I've been watching Khan Academy videos, mm-hmm. and they've got this fantastic little sort of like blackboard, you know. And he's like he's always doing he's basically like he's using it like a teacher, you know. He's drawing stuff and, and explaining concepts and stuff. Um, and every now and then I get a question from somebody in the chat and I'm like, Oh man, if I could just take two minutes to just like draw a thing mm. and show how this works, then it would be so much easier to teach about this like game design concept or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I found the software that these for Khan Academy. It's free. Mm. Um, and I, and I have a tablet, but I don't know where the stylus is. So if I can find my <laughs> stylus, then I can also set up a little sort of like, you should probably be able to, you should be able to order. They're like 10 bucks. To like yeah, I could probably, I'd probably get one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that way I can sort of switch over to like a little blackboard. So mm. somebody has a question about something that I can just quickly like explain. So uh, it's very fun to do. It's very interesting. So I'm just going to keep doing it for no reason. Cool. So uh, that'll be, so this upcoming Saturday, uh, 8 a.m. to noon, CDT. Come see how the sausage is made. Come see the sausage. The game sausage. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Also, let's talk about Mr. Bourne. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got sucked into this trilogy real good mm-hmm. but it's been weird because usually if i'm if i get into something it'll be you know like a book series or whatever then i'll just go binge on it and i'll just like read you yeah. know for three you days get straight it done get it done and my eyes will will just be bleeding they'll be shooting tears everywhere you know mm-hmm. but i'm just i'm working through it and i feel great about the whole thing yeah adam shows up at work and he clearly hasn't eaten in days mm-hmm. yeah his eyes have Haven't deep slept. deep dark bags mm-hmm. under them He's got bl- blood coming out of his tear ducts, you know, yeah, and we're like, him. oh, you must have found a good book. Yeah, because <laughs> you just you just got to get it done once you yeah. find one, you know. So uh, because for a long time when I was driving to work, it was about a you know half an hour there, half an hour back. Uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to get into I'm going to get into Audible, you know, start getting mm-hmm. some audiobooks. But my defining criterion for what I was going to choose was based on length because I wanted to get the most bang for my buck because they're really expensive. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to try to find these, you know, super long, you know, like I don't care 24 how 24 hour, as long well, it's gotta it's be long. good though too. <laughs> it's gotta be good and long, but long was a requirement, right? Mm-hmm. Normally just good as a requirement, but here it was the, both of them. Uh, so I'd heard a whole bunch about, you know, the Mistborn series and, and the author of mm-hmm. that plus a jillion other books. I uh, hadn't read any of his books and I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this because it turned out it's a 22 hour, uh, audio book. Just version. one of them. Just one of them. Oh, hell oh, yeah. yeah. So I was like, this is, this is fun. That's perfect. a month. Uh, so, so I, yeah, so I picked this thing out and the problem was that my previous audio books had all been more, you know, serious stuff, usually just educational things and whatever. So they were really easy to, to just stop, sort of listening, stop to. listening to, <laughs> uh, but this one, like after the first, maybe third of the book, um, which was then basically when we moved offices, it's now my, my drive was much shorter. Uh, cause it was still good up until then, but I hadn't gotten truly invested. But then after about a third of that book, I was just so invested that I couldn't, I just couldn't stop. It's just, it's one of the best fantasy series. I it's think. very it's, good. It's like, it's really good. But then that led me to this weird, just kind of this weird outcome, which is then, so I've just spent, been spending pretty much all of my free time now. Cause it's, a, there's a lot of hours of this stuff. <laughs> Cause there are three books. The second, uh-huh. I'm on the second one now, which is 24 hours long. No, sorry. 28 hours mm-hmm. long. And I don't know what the next one's going to be probably longer than that. And so there's a lot of hours I got to sink in to now finish this trilogy, mm-hmm. right? And you're just uh, listening to it. And I'm just listening to it, which now puts me in a weird position because you're just standing around. I'm just standing around. <laughs> you know, like if you're reading, you're also just standing around, but your eyes and hands are occupied. You kind of do, yeah, you're kind of you're, active. It feels like you're doing. Yeah. You've got something. nothing else that you can do. Yeah. And you're so, trying to read on a, like an exercise bike or something. It's hard. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. But uh, yeah, you can go. You can go running with an, you know, with an audiobook. You can do whatever, which makes you feel like you should be doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just very weird because I'm I'm not getting any less done than I would if I was just reading it with my eyeballs. But you feel bad. But I about feel it. bad about it. <laughs> you know, so people like so Sam said they were asking me like what I was up to this weekend. You know, and I was just like oh just doing. Some I, stuff, I didn't hear you know? from you at all on Saturday. 
Yeah, because I was gone. I was doing errands and then audio booking just yeah. constantly. And uh, but it was weird because I just felt I felt like I was doing something wrong <laughs> because you, know? you were just laying. Because I was just like laying. Because I was, like lay on the couch with my cat, just you know listening to the, this audio book, just chilling, petting a cat for just like five hours mm-hmm. straight, uh, which of course was glorious. But it made me feel like I was doing something wrong. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I did. I did refer, I started reframing my thinking about it last night and this morning because I was like, I this am, isn't. My activity right now is listening to this thing. Yeah, and it's cons- fine. It's consuming my neurons. Right. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah, but it, but it is it kind of it is that weird border. Because if I did that with like a, a movie series or something, right, um, then I could like I could binge on one of those for like a day or something and still feel like I didn't do something terrible, you know. Mm-hmm. But if I spent like a whole weekend just watching movies or just. It's too much. It, fe- it feels like I've done something wrong and I still mm-hmm. believe that, you know. And with a book, though, I don't feel that way at all. And then an audiobook is somewhere in between. You know? it was just, <laughs> you're it was not very watching weird. it, but you're also not reading it. Yeah. <laughs> and I still could be doing other... I don't know. It's very weird. I want to talk about this a little bit because I think... Uh, so our uh, one of our dads, Kev, got invited to uh, give a talk about Grant Wood, who's like a fantastic painter who painted a bunch of Iowa scenery. He's from Iowa. Uh, painted a bunch of Iowa scenery. And uh, I watched his talk last week and it was streamed from the museum that he had given the talk at. And there's an interesting quote in it, which I think applies to Adam's misborn experience. Because I've been, you know, as we do a lot of times, I'm just sort of asking myself, like, why am I doing all these things that I'm doing? So, because you been, could be doing any, a lot doing of things. anything, and yeah. and with all the skills we've developed from making games, like we can make a lot of things nowadays. Um, and also with all the hobbies, and it's just so I think the general approach that we've taken to you know learning all this stuff, I feel pretty confident that. You know, if I wanted to go hop into a different industry or something like that, that I could do it. I could learn the the ropes, figure stuff out. So the question is, okay, it's getting more and more imperative to really seriously answer the question, why am I making games? Because before it was like, it's the only thing I can make. Like, it's the only thing I'm allowed to make right now. Um, <laughs> and now it's getting to a point where it's like, I could make a lot of different things. So you need an answer. And so I just want to think about this a lot, mulling it over. And hadn't really come up with a good way to, to describe why I think it's like important. And there's this quote from Grant Wood, uh, which I'll just read here, which uh, I think finally sort of put into words what maybe is is really, really good about being able to make something like games or film or these stories or whatever else. Um, So it basically says, it's very difficult to find people who can produce uh, this material of dreams. As very, very few people have this ability so strongly marked in youth that they are set apart and given special training. These people become musicians and poets and painters, and they are valuable, valuable because they can lead others into the delightful land where they have been trained to dwell. And I was just thinking about this point. It just like hit me really hard while I was watching Kevin's talk. And I was like, that's, I think that's good. I think that's the thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, we've, and we've, last night before that, before Ant-Man started, mm-hmm. there was just a, a trailer after trailer of just these spectacular thematic, yeah. like crazy environmental masterpiece kinds mm-hmm. of movies coming out, you know, uh, mostly magic based yeah, um, in these crazy fantasy lands, but where the, where the depth of the fantasy was, was just immense. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I've been thinking about this also. Yeah, so I think it was this we, idea of, We create alternate universes with our minds. Well, importantly, like you get, it's this, I like the, the idea of referring to it as sort of like a dreamland idea, which is, you know, you figure out how to walk into it and then, and bring, then stuff bring stuff back for everybody else who, like, because of your work or because of your life or whatever else, maybe you're not able to necessarily construct these things, but everyone loves it. That's the thing. Everyone loves these things. Like, people love movies. I don't know anybody who hates stories. Like yeah, well, you know, I mean? like, I, I you know there's this, you know, there's that I mean, I'm sure there's guy. someone who's going to respond. I hate, I hate them. stories. <laughs> um, Quit telling me stories. I think it's the point. It's like, there's, you know, it's, it's the stuff that people just really, they do just enjoy. Like they love it. And, uh, and it is that sort of material of dreams as he calls it. And so I just like that idea of being a person who's sort of like a fairy man, you know, like you, you boat people, you boat yourself over, get a bunch of stuff, bring it back, or even take people with you by making, in our case, I think interactive media is one of the best ones for it, right? Because you can literally, especially with Levelhead, like how cool of a thing. Like we can, we not only get to make the stuff of, of the dreams by like making these characters, making these environments, but then we get to make a tool that makes it so you can way more easily sort of cross over and make your own yeah. stuff. So yeah, just like it, it hit me really hard. This is on, I think Wednesday last week. I just been thinking about it. Well, I've, <laughs> I've been having the same, the same thought. So I, I brought up the question to Adam about, about wikis. Because mm. I've noticed that, we're getting more and more people in the discord who are incredibly enthusiastic about just the lore of mm. Whoa, nope, mm-hmm. you know, about like the universe that we're building. And the whole time I'm just like, this is so cool. Like these people are so pumped about like trying to figure out all the little stories. 
People are like taking screenshots of little tidbits of things and crashing to being like, I wonder what this means. Right. Like, how does this connect back to this other thing? And, uh, and it's something that I always found one of the most fascinating parts about, you know, going onto forums of other games or into like, if you go into the Terraria wiki or something Mm -hmm. like that, and people have all these theories and trying to figure out how the world works, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a whole culture around just digging really deep into the lore of some universe and trying to Try to part, try basically like it's because it's basically what you've done is you've cracked open the window mm-hmm. uh, into people seeing into this other world and they want to see more, right? So like they're grabbing the window, like they're trying to they're trying <laughs> yeah. to pull it up so they can get a better glimpse, you know. And so and we do have a lot of because we we very intentionally sprinkled a lot of a lot of cross a lot of between connections, games and, yeah, and, and and even within like especially in Crashlands because there's just so much mm-hmm. in there. Um, we really there, there's a lot of there's a lot more connections, and I know of anybody having spotted before. Yes. Though I know recently uh, a few people in particular have like noticed some stuff. I'm like, shit, nobody has noticed that before. Yeah. As far, yeah. As, far as I know. Yeah. 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 Like we even, we even have, see, we have hints at backstories. Um, so there's one of the final weapons in Crashlands is called the mod. It's this giant hefty ax. And the tooltip is something like, you know, it's awkward, heavy, pointy, and dangerous. Just like your ex spouse. <laughs> and somebody was like, Oh, flux was married. Mm. Right. And they're like, there's a whole story there. And they're like, <laughs> and I said, yeah. And, you know, it's likely that she was married to an alien, mm-hmm. given the description of this axe, like probably That's some true. kind of a, you know, crustacean or something. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, some kind of, you know, uh, intergalactic marriage or something. My favorite part about it was Seth just sent me a note on Discord. And he's like, by the way, Flux is married to an alien now. It's canon. That's canon. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure we it out. We don't know the rest of know. that story. But, but I, I mean... <laughs> I think there's something to be said about, because we, we don't know the long-term future of the games in the sense that like mm-hmm. 20 years from now, we don't know how accessible it will be to play Crashlands you know, right. or whatever. Probably um, very difficult. It's kind of hard, right? Although running an emulator for just about anything on the hardware we have 20 years from now will be very yeah, easy. So, sure. Somebody will, will be able to you know keep it going or whatever. Um, and maybe we will. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the point is like, I think it's it's easy to kind of think about the things that we've created as being you know permanent. Yeah, but really, we have to we have to work to maintain them. And if we have a repository of knowledge, kind of about the universe, um, in the form of of because like we had the Crashlands manual mm-hmm. where it tells the backstory of Crash, and like that's was super fun to write, and mm-hmm. people really got into that. And I think it's something that I'd like to think about doing more of. Mm-hmm. You know, of trying to figure out ways to beef up the lore and stuff. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing to talk about about life, mm. Sam. Mm. Let's talk about reading. What about it? How you feel about it? So, it's been, so, <laughs> so I think listening to the podcast when I used to, I read a lot. Um, so I think 2018, I read like 36 books or 2017, I read 36 books. You um, had like a, a book and a half a week. Yeah, or two, something like uh, that. Or a book every week and a half. And you know, I'd go on these trips and I'd read like six books on the plane. Like, so usually vacations were these huge, like library expeditions for me. Um and then this year, in part of trying to actually pick up my artist habit more, I was like, I, I, I don't have the time to do all of these things simultaneously. So, and this book habit is one that a lot of people I know as artists, you know, they bring their sketchbook everywhere. So instead of reading, it seems like it'd be a really good habit to develop to, to actually draw stuff whenever I have that downtime instead of carrying a book around with me. And so I've taken just a way slower approach this year. I think I've read three or four books, um, which is yeah, like a third as many as I would have normally read by now. And, and I just been thinking about them a lot more. And then like, so each one individually has, has become way more, uh, I think sort of just generally impactful on, because I'm reading it more slowly. I'm sort of like taking a lot of notes on very specific things. And then just maybe even like doing a little bit of writing on them, or whatever else. And it's given me the space to, uh, to practice that art habit too. But it's been interesting because I realized that I think so much of, cause the reality is like, it's hard to find really good books even when you're reading 36 of them, like a freaking year, yeah. maybe like three or four will be the ones. Well, there's, you like, know, there's Dang. the rule that 90% of everything is yeah, crap. That's right? basically true. <laughs> so, so yeah, if you read 30 books, you're going to have three, three good ones yeah. in there. And certainly those are, those are worth it. Uh, but it was just one of these things where I, you know, I, as I've been stepping away from sort of doing that constant reading and constant reading, um, I found just a much more sort of open space to think about, the things that I've that I have read, and then also to you know practice a craft. And so, uh, in my case, it's something I was always resistant to is actually practicing drawing. Right? I think people who listen to the whole podcast will know I've sort of slowly over the last year and a half or so 
Um, and especially in the last six months, like actually learned how to practice doing art as opposed to just producing doing art. it as a production process. Yeah. Um, and it's been really interesting. I think it's come with this, with this notion that uh, is sort of laughable one, which is uh, I, I just am sort of realizing that it's been much more valuable for me to be practicing an actual thing than to simply be reading about stuff in like a general context. And, you know, if I could, if I could trade some of those previous hours and previous years, honestly, for like, instead of reading 36 books, I would have definitely chopped that down to like maybe, maybe 10, you know, one month (laughs) sort of a thing and just, and just drawn a lot more because it's, uh, I, I feel like I'm getting, a lot more out of that practice session than I am. Yeah. Reading. But that might also be the case that I've just read enough now, you know, yeah, I've read a lot of books. You've so read all the things. I've read, it turns out. I've, most of the time when I read a book, I'm like, yes, yes, I get it. I understand. Especially I've, a psych I've book. I've heard this now. before. Yeah. I've heard it. Huh? Yeah. You um, know, you know, you've been reading too much of the same thing when like, yes. if, if you're reading, uh, if you're reading something and then the book that you read has like an entire section devoted to the last book that you read, yes. you know, you're like, Oh, I'm just rereading the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then uh, that comes with sort of branching out on, on some of the stuff that I've been reading. So I've actually been reading, you know, composition books and art books and that sort of thing to try to more so hone my craft in this particular direction. And so it's just been very interesting. I I never thought I would be a proponent for not reading as much, but I definitely am at this point. So as long as you're doing stuff, it's not about not just not reading, right? It's It's not about not. Yeah. It's not about what you're not doing. Yeah. It's about what you are doing. (laughs) So picking up this, uh, this art, this art practice has been honestly, like it makes me just way happier. So this morning I drew for 30 minutes um, that's usually my, my thing, draw for 30, 35 minutes in the morning before work. And then after work, try to squeeze in some more time if I can. And the days when I do it are just better days, period. Yeah. That's it. So I'm like, maybe just do, maybe it. just do that <laughs> because reading, reading previously did not necessarily make that feel like that was the case. Right. Yeah. It might be interesting, but it didn't necessarily feel like I was building skills or whatever else. Well, you've, you've learned something, but you still haven't done anything. Yeah. And there's a, right. there's a big gulf between those two things. There's that, yeah, there's a very important difference between And I, I think I, I I sort of misled myself because there's always this. I mean, people talk about this with news too, right? It's like, you got to stay informed. But stay why? informed. And, you, but nobody ever talks about what you're going to do about it. Yeah. You don't, what, what, when you are informed, then what do you do? Yeah, and most of the time you don't do anything, actually. And you so just are informed. You slowly <laughs> realize that, you know, in my case, paying a lot of attention to the news was actually just a form of entertainment. Truthfully. Like, I was just I wish there was a term. I wish there was a term for that. Because it's not really entertainment. It's like enragement. Well, I mean, right? like yeah. it's, well, it's the same. It's, people, it's the same reason people like like to read sad stories yeah, or, or watch horror movies yeah. or whatever. You it makes know? you feel like, things. But I think yeah. it's, it is still it's entertainment, but not in the not in the ha ha sort of way. Yeah, not in that way. Because <laughs> yeah. like yeah, because I think I mean horror movies are definitely entertainment. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I think sure. So I think this is okay. my point. In the though. same way that news is the is entertainment. <laughs> so horror like in exactly is, the same in way. exactly the same way. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I like, think, oh my God, this is my I point. Can't stop watching. I can't believe this. Like recognizing the news, reading the news, or keeping up even with industry news um, in the games industry, like every day reading up on what was happening, was actually just a form of sort of procrastination in a sense, right? Like instead of just doing stuff, you sort of have convinced yourself that there's a lot of import in understanding the larger scheme of this thing, whatever else. And, yeah. and then you spend too much time doing it. And so, yeah, I'm just sort of, I'm just like, I don't care. Well, and I think, I think, <laughs> I just want to draw. Yep. The experience is the greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. And so the more you read, the less time you have to do stuff That's and true. gain experience. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why in video games you level up by getting experience points and not by just reading, you know, manuals. No, so <laughs> you, get, you get like extra bonuses usually from like finding books and stuff, you know, a lot of games. Well, I think about sort of in higher education too, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, so for, for me, becoming a scientist through my educational career, you basically spend, you know, from childhood all the way through the end of college reading, reading, reading stuff mm-hmm. and being told things reading. And, and then people being like, tell me about what you read. Yeah. And then and you dabble and a little bit, good. maybe towards the end of that and doing some actual stuff. Um, but of course, anybody looking back to that experience will admit that they weren't actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then all of a sudden you have this, this next thing called, you know, a master's program or a PhD program or something. And those are all focused on doing. Mm-hmm. And those, like, everybody talks about how, like, oh, yeah, a PhD program is like four to six or even eight years, depending on what you're doing. But think about that relative to the rest of your entire academic career. Yeah. It's this tiny, tiny fraction uh, because it doesn't most need to be. don't go that, to that point. No. They just go to work. Yeah, they go to work oh, immediately. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's the point where you actually, like, that was far and away where I learned the most in, in the shortest Dude, period the of most time. densely educational. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and by, you were by doing stuff because I was doing stuff. 
Uh, and by, I mean, by an enormous margin, mm-hmm. uh, by a stupid margin. Uh, and uh, yeah, just the difference between, between being told and then doing for yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause even if you just sit down and think about stuff uh, so that you're not, you're kind of stewing other people's ideas. Um, you can get a lot out of that, but it's still not nearly the same as just sitting down and like, and tackling a problem right. for real. I mean, I right? have to wonder, cause you know, I, I started learning how to program when I was in law school. Yep. So in, in law school, Again, you just read a lot. shit ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the professors will, every day, the professor will pick one student and attack them viciously. That student <laughs> is the person who has to answer all the professor's questions because the professors use this, this ridiculous Socratic method mm-hmm. where they just, they don't tell you anything. They just ask you a bunch of questions. And if they happen to have picked someone who doesn't know or who didn't read it or whatever, then that whole class period is wasted because they will, they will stick to that person mm-hmm. and just keep trying to extract the knowledge, right, to, as, to illustrate to everybody else. Um, and so I was kind of just, I would say, putting up with that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, on my, in my day-to-day. Well, that does actually sound like a metaphor for our legal system, which is much more about punishing people <laughs> than it is about actually solving the legal yeah, problems. Yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd go in there and I'm like, I'm paying this professor a lot of money to teach me what they know. And He's instead, I'm, li- instead I'm listening to them, listening to them berate some unprepared <laughs> person who has no idea what's going on for an hour and a half. Uh, this is this is where and that person's paying for that experience also. Right? Yeah, money well spent. Yes, we all. I don't. I'm, you know, speaking <laughs> of scams, uh, <laughs> but uh, then I'd go home and I'd start programming and I'd have like these. I have these problems and then I look. I'd you know do some reading on documentation. I'm like, oh yeah, this is how you do it. And then I would just fucking do it. And then I I did a thing that I could sort of you know put that mm-hmm. put that mark that down and then. I'd go on and solve the next problem and solve the next problem and solve the next problem. And my rate of learning and programming so rapidly surpassed my rate of learning about the law mm-hmm. that it was, it just became increasingly dissatisfying uh, well, to go to law quit, school. Right. You just yeah, got out. The first year I was like, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's too slow. And no, weird. thanks. Yeah. I'll just go program. Yes. Yeah, so I think there's, there's a really good balance to strike somewhere in there. I think, I think I was just, I've previously just been erring, I think on the side of like knowledge is good, which is, you know, it's a good rule. But there's got to be a balance of actual uh, you know, rubber hitting the road, like pick a thing to do, like to actively I think do. knowledge is the best when it matters given the context of problem solving mm-hmm. where you you use like you do. Uh, it sucks because you do need a base level of knowledge in order to find problems that need solving. Yes. Right. Um, so, I mean, you do have to spend those early years just kind of like learning. Things. Yeah. To me, it's mostly about awareness. Like the thing that the thing that books and just sort of. Uh, in an educational sense, the, the things that those external forms of education provide is an awareness of problems that exist. Yes. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's the value that it actually reminds bring. me of like, I, cause I've had, you know, in college course, you had tons of uh, sort of startup ideas or entrepreneurial ideas. And looking back on them, they were all so dumb because I didn't realize what any of the actual yeah. problems were that anyone <laughs> yeah. was dealing with. Yeah, you're so insulated from real problems. Yeah. And so most of them were so weirdly well, just, I mean, just think about they think were about solving non problems most. Yeah, of the time. think about yeah. the typical app idea or whatever. I, I remember there was this uh, video that that Intel put out about these like laser glasses that they have. Did we talk about this mm. in the past? Where it's like it, it it is AR and it projects a little laser like directly into your eyeball by reflecting oh, it off yeah. the screen. It's like yeah. the next Google Glass thing. Yeah, right. and. And I was like, this technology seems interesting uh, and it looks good. Like the glasses looked good. But then the problems they were describing as like things that could be solved by this were things like forgetting where you parked your car. Mm-hmm. Like now there's a waypoint arrow pointing at your car. I'm like, really, guys? Like, <laughs> that this was is you- billions of dollars of research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that the problem we need solved? Yeah. Yep. But I think, you know, finding finding problems that need solving is That's hard. hard to do. Yeah. Well, and I think also you shouldn't have to go look for them. Well, well no, I think you, you do have, have well, to. No, but, but I think this is where this is where the action comes from. This is where diversity of experience comes diversity from. Diversity of experience. Like, just by going out into the world and doing stuff, yeah. you encounter problems. Mm-hmm. You, you don't go, like, I need to find a problem to solve so that mm-hmm. I can have a startup or whatever. Uh, you go out and do stuff with your life, and then as you run into shit that nobody else has thought of, you're mm-hmm. like, I, I could probably, probably take care mm-hmm. of this. When you're a student, you haven't done anything. Yeah. And you... You well, don't most, know what <laughs> most of your problems are, are they're, they're phantoms, right? It's like, it, they're, they're very imagined. And I think I was, cause I have, I have some, my workflow notes from 
back in 2012 and and uh, and I have this someday pile. Go back and look through. Yeah, it. just like if you look through and some of them are just so hilariously dumb. <laughs> it's it's just Do you have an example? I want to hear some examples. I had, Do you have uh, any embarrassing? I had one, oh yeah, I had one that was uh uh popsicle sticks, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm with you. Popsicle sticks that were just like carved into cool like shapes. That was one then, of them. Boy, then what happened? That after was it. That? And another one, <laughs> just I had another one which was a, a waypointer idea, where which I think is still is kind of cool. But uh, you get like a necklace or a ring, and then you get give your other one to your loved one, and it has like a little almost like a video game indicator thing on it where it points oh. at wherever they are. But I was like, that's creepy and weird. <laughs> no one would buy. I don't know anybody would buy. That'd be kind of strange. And then uh, the most recent. So one, it's like a compass where you can customize its direction. Yeah. Yeah. The most recent one, and this is actually on the trip, but the thing is like recognizing when these hit a point where you, where they're not actually good ideas is sort of like the new thing for me. So, <laughs> so this one was, uh, we were eating a lot of popsicles on this trip. And I was like, man, I just want to be able to take these popsicles wherever the fuck I want, but it's so hot. And I was like, what if? <laughs> what if? <laughs> there what was if I had a, a popsicle koozie? Yes. A popsicle bag. Really? <laughs> That was just an like, insulated sack. Kept it totally cold. Or if you manufactured your popsicles in the specific thermo bag, that was just like cold all the time. Like this reminds coolers. me of I saw recently an, an avocado <laughs> sweater. An avocado what? An avocado sweater. A sweater? Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I still don't understand what problem it was trying to solve. Why? Wait, but it was a little like sweater. You, you just put you just put your avocado in there. And you just like put a little buckle. You know, just like get it snapped. You got to buckle up. Your, <laughs> buckle up your avocado. Listen, buckle up your avocado. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's the thing. It's like you, you know, you're still going to have this. I, I mean, ideally, if you're if you're writing, wait, wait, wait. Mm. You had another idea very recently about toilets. I did. This is another one. I was actually very excited about this. I'm session me down. So I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I scooted down to the bathroom in our new building. Went to the bathroom, and I was like, "There's so much water in this toilet. This is ridiculous." Because yeah. I'm just putting water into it. Yeah. We don't need to have any water sitting there. Like maybe a little bit. Yeah. Because you're putting more in. I'm there. just putting water in it. I'm peeing in it. So whatever. Yeah. And. <laughs> This toilet has no idea what's happening. You know what it's I mean? A, it's, it's a, a dumb, dumb toilet. Dumb we as a rock. Smart toilets. Smart toilets. toilets. <laughs> so I was like, I came back and I was so excited. I was like, guys, we just need a toilet. We could make a toilet. We've that. got smart cars. We've got smart phones. <laughs> you smart we toilet. Smart toilets. Your toilet that you just like, before you go to the bathroom, you like you have the ones now that have this. You tell it how flush. much you're going to pee. <laughs> no, how much? This is Adam's going to make fun of me. I think I got about <laughs> half a gallon ready to go. But no, no, no. You, you say like, I'm, I'm going to go number one. I'm going to go number two beforehand. And then it fills the toilet bowl appropriately with the amount of water. Mm, so instead of you choosing what kind of flush you're going to make. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes some sense. But not like you still have the filling problem. Mm-hmm. Right? And now there, the there are those waterless urinals. Well, that's the thing, there are urinals literally right next to me. So I was like, I don't even know why I was peeing on the toilet in the first place because they were open. But, uh, like, urinals already do this because they don't have anything, you know? Right. Like, now, this, now, here's the thing, though. There's a, there's something that I learned about that I did not know until I watched certain stand-up comedians, mm. which is, uh, which is you know, as, as individuals who stand when they pee, mm. uh, we have to have a plan coming in. You know what you're going to do. That's true. Right? But if you sat... That's true. You, then you sometimes could, you're like, I guess I'm like, doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Plans changed. I'm ready for it. Let's no. go. <laughs> so you don't always so you know. The toilet can't react. You need a reaction. What you toilet. need is you need it. It has to be watching. <laughs> <laughs> we can so use that Intel technology. Ready. It needs you know. to procedurally generate the water levels mm. to anticipate. You wear those so Intel. based on your behavior and like how much you're straining, then it just <laughs> It like, moves the water up and look down. For forehead veins. Yeah, you wear those <laughs> wear those laser glasses and have it watch your pupils dilating. Based oh yeah, on yeah. Strain. That'd probably work. Oh god, we need to have an ICO for this business. Yeah. So, but I think this is the fun thing is if you have if you're a person with a high, it's called a high high rate of idea flow is the idea. So there's some people depending on these like, people are also called bullshitters. They, I, I mean, they are. But like depending on if you now if you have a high rate of idea flow, do you need to adjust the water <laughs> level? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew you. Were you, sure do, you, you do. You do. You got yeah, to make sure that you flush down most <laughs> of your most ideas. Of yeah. the ideas. But I think that's the point. It's like you still have these dumb ideas and you should. That's awesome. Like, yeah. You don't need to judge it as it could let, let it happen. It's fun. Just let it get in there. But then don't make a business out of it. I, think <laughs> I never, you know, growing up and, and being a college and stuff. Yeah. You just have like, more ideas that you throw away. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Anyways, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Let's, Let's go. get out of some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net, which is 
Is that is that being work, worked on? No, because i got to fix the inkbot first. Adam's got to fix the inkbot. It so. turns out we have lots of problems, and I'm the Adam I'm is only the me, one. Though. Yep. Yeah. Sam and I are just over here doing God knows what. Yeah, mm-hmm. Adam's basically there, nothing. Adam's <laughs> over there fixing, <laughs> fixing real problems. Yep. Uh, first question comes from Doombrowski. Sam, uh. if you were able to go back in time and teach your less art-capable self how to wiggle nodes, what would you recommend to yourself when getting started? Mm. So what's like a, a just a dense-ass pro tip that you could give to to newbie Let's, let's assume scapers. that you can only go back in time for just like three seconds and whisper in your own ear. <laughs> yeah. <Do this>. So <laughs> I just want to point out, yesterday, was just, over the weekend, somebody posted a screenshot of Talifite. Uh-huh. And I saw this, the helmet. <laughs> it's pretty good. The helmet is <laughs> a, a power-up. It's a, it's a reference from Skyrim. It's called Herga Blag. The <laughs> helmet is called Herga Blag. Because it's supposed I, to be the Fusta Ross screen. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I saw the helmet. I just started laughing. <laughs> So I posted it's it in Discord. Good, I was like, Sam, look at this helmet. <laughs> and he started laughing. And then he sketched out a new one in 10 minutes mm-hmm. that was pretty, like 80 times more professional. Slightly like better. Yep. So if you could go back and talk to that guy who made that helmet, <sighs> what do you say to that well, guy? It's hard because I think, you know, it's hard when you look back at your own journey to be like, here's where I would intercept my stupidity. Yep. Because... Because I don't know. Because you already you intercepted what, your own stupidity yourself, you know, yeah, years ago. And you don't know which specific steps were the important ones. Exactly. So I would say there's there's a few things that I didn't have early on. So the most the biggest one would actually be to just get way more comfortable with the tool. So I didn't actually start all my my hot keying and stuff of Inkscape and like really trying to understand what the hell was going on until like middle of Crashlands, I think. Yeah, I think it's middle crash because I was making so many. You're like, we have a billion assets we need to make, and I was like, I gotta do I this need faster. To, <laughs> I need to do this faster, and that's when Adam made this heat map for me, and we watched sort of where my mouse was going and stuff. Um, and so I think, but I think that's actually the easiest one because the weird thing is the the artistry literally is just a practice thing. It's just a practice thing, well, and then you got an up, art teacher, which was a big. I did an art teacher recently, which that was is a good. big thing. Um, and the cost the thing is like I you know. I was considering going to like an evening art class, but of course those are like 600 bucks or something like you that. You may not get what you need because it's a specific curriculum. Yeah. And then I was like, what? I'll just look into hiring like a particular person. And I went to super professor, super prof uh, was the website where you can just put in whatever you want to do. And then it links you up with tons of people and you can send a basic pitch to them. Be like, Hey, you're like, here's sort of where my skills are. Do you think you could get me here? And they cost between like 15 and 50 bucks an hour, which means if you do, I'm doing, I'm now my third session with my second art teacher. And I think, I think it's like 160 bucks total for my five sessions with him and feedback for just a huge amount of over the course games. of like four months, as opposed to like a specific, uh, you know, art class, which is $600 when I looked up here. Um, so I, th- I think there's two things. I think I, w- I would focus really hard on the keys on like the Inkscape keys and really figuring out the tool, because I think that's, that's one of those things that's actual, like that's just knowledge you can learn. Right. And we've talked about this with programming before, where I've always been a little jealous of programming as a skill because there's some things that you just learn and now you have it. Because you've written a script. Because you've written a script and just, you can just do it. It there's just no, does that now. Yeah, it's not the case that like your your uh, your your forms get better over, t- like you, that you need to just draw a shitload of circles and spheres and rectangles and shove them together in a bunch of different ways to figure out how forms work in 3D space. Um, you can just learn a thing and you actually get a gain from that sometimes. And there's yeah, there course, are, I mean, there are still parallels though with, with art or anything else. There because, always are. Yeah, yeah because it's, I know still for me, like literally every every month probably, I can actually recognize that when I'm sitting back to solve some problem, it's just infinitely easier now to recombine all the subcomponents. Of, it's of like going back and it. looking at the, the Hergeblag helmet. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the, 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 easily seeing all the problems. Yeah, I'm not saying that there's not a case of, uh, of that actual sort of practice knowledge that essentially gets built up, experience knowledge. Gets I, think you get, I think it's easier in programming to trick yourself into thinking you're good at it. Yes, because you guys know as long as it does something, right. yep. and then the people who are looking at it, they don't know what they're looking. They at. They don't know. They're just yeah. like so. You get it. to you get to you get to kind of bathe in ignorance of your own lack of skill, mm-hmm. much more so in programming than you. Because yeah. in art, like everybody can tell. People, you can tell. Everybody can tell. That's a shitty helmet. Let's be real. That's a shitty helmet. So yeah, I think I think knowing the tool is one of those things that you can just do right. Like it's that's that does not require years of practice to figure out how like a face puts together and all this stuff. You can just mem- like make a list of hotkeys for yourself, uh, you know, memorize how various parts of the program work and treat that. It's like writing a, it's, uh, it's really what you're saying is a manual a little bit. 
you know, because by by setting up all those hotkeys and, and working on your tools, you get to produce more stuff yes, in the same you, amount of time. You will work faster. Yeah, it's the same with programming. Which means you like get an, more experience. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you want to sort of increase the rate of experience there. And then the other one, and the, the reason I think this is funny is because, or the reason the question is hard is because I did ask people for like, what would you, how do I do this? You know, what do I do? I, I asked our, the previous art director who had we worked with at, at our previous company. I sent her a note, I think a year one or two, and she said the exact same thing, which everybody has said to me, which is, you just need to practice a shitload. Yeah, there's no shortcut. There's just no shortcut. And, and that, then but, you didn't. And then I didn't do it. <laughs> I just never did it. I even, and I you're like, why to, is this so hard? Yeah, yeah, I even <laughs> talked to, I mean, I talked to Hibbler, who's our, you know, the painter who does our just obscenely gorgeous art. And I was like, how? How do you do it? And he's like, every day for four years in college, I did a self-portrait every single day. And sometimes it was like a 10 minute thing that I was like, yeah, you know, I really try banging out. Sometimes it was and like, you're a like two hour. no, that's not it. There's got to be, like, there's got to be a magic there's bullet. There's got to be here. a silver <laughs> bullet in here. And, <laughs> and so it's just sort of, I, if I would have told myself that again, I don't think it would matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. I no, wasn't at the point where I could actually understand what that meant. And so yeah. I, I still will say like, just set aside 25 minutes, 25 minutes every morning or every day to well, no, draw I think just or to do some as stuff. As much time as you can. I don't No, not as much time as you can. 25 minutes. Because well, no, but, you're, is, but you're talking from the perspective of somebody who then goes and does art all day all, already also. No, I'm right? saying that if you, if you set aside 25 minutes of genuine practice time a day, yes, that's a minimum. It's the same thing as the, the multiplayer thing, right? Sure, go to two hours if you feel like it, but do at least 25 minutes a day. Right. Because the first 10 to 15 minutes is sort of like your brain's just kind of getting engaged the last 10 minutes you're doing interesting things and then sure, maybe you're done. But you're like, is, so by setting a minimum, yes. you kind of get the momentum. Yes. And, and that's sort of what I've been feeling in the last. Yeah. Uh, There's like something that months. I notice as, as I've been learning piano is if I, if I make myself sit down for about 20 minutes, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I'm there for an hour and a half yeah. or two. You might be. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't set targets. Don't say like, I'm going to do X number of things. Say, I think it's, I'm, I'm going to do at least focus this. really hard on it. For X number for twenty five minutes. Yeah, figure out yeah. what the what the actual sort of but minimum again, leverage. Minimum. Yeah, yeah the, minimum. figure out what the minimum leverage point is. Because like five minutes of drawing not going to get you anywhere. But once you hit like 15, 20 minutes in a day, especially if you start stringing those together, you're in it. You now. actually start getting. But I think this is the same as thing as like going running. Yeah, because when you go running, if all you can think about, like if if you have a target, if you're like, I just need to, if I need to make two laps, right? Then all you're thinking about is getting to the end of that target, which is just bad because yeah. then you just you're you're hating it the whole time, mm-hmm. right? But if you just say my I need to get at least to that point, mm-hmm. then and just com- completely refocus, say like that's not I haven't accomplished anything once I get there. That's just like the bare I'm just minimum. Get started, yeah. Well, so, so that now like as you're coming up to it, you're not, activity. yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not now thinking of it as okay, I just got to get there and I can stop, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not what it is anymore. Now it's like I had I I have to get there. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that's yeah, it. Yeah, like, I think the thing to understand that I, that I did not understand before was that with a lot of practice is that one, you won't enjoy it until you can produce good looking stuff in yeah. art. That's actually a big part because so much of your art time goes into making things that are just hideous. Just especially early on, like you can't, you're like, I'm trying to draw a cube and it looks like a freaking like, I don't even know what this is. What is the shape? You try to draw a face and it just looks, <laughs> looks like a cube. Yeah. It looks like a cube. You're like, what is happening? Try to draw a cube, looks like a face. So I think- and uh, truly, the time when practice started getting fun for me in this last six month window, because I was the first thing I was trying to do was draw faces, was once the faces started looking like faces. Mm-hmm. Before that, when they were just like ugly piles of anatomical parts, I was like, I hate every minute. <laughs> and then, it's like weirdly, after about three weeks of that, they started looking like faces. And then I drew. I had one night where I drew for three and a half hours, which was the longest. You're just having a great time drawing faces because I they actually looked like faces. It was cool. Yep. So I think there's there's a huge hump early on. It just it turns out that it's unpleasant to be bad at things. It is. But you have to be bad at things before you can be less yeah. bad at so things. I, I, so I, you just gotta well, this is the wrinkle though, right? Because like what you just gotta get in there. What yeah. could you tell your your previous self who was so resistant to practicing? Nothing. I don't think there's anything you can't I could tell, tell them myself. anything. Because everybody did tell me the same thing that I would tell myself, which is go practice. Which means you just have to put in the time so that eventually you get so tired of your own bullshit. That eventually you start doing things better. Here's here's what I would say, Sam, you have an incorrect belief about how learning works. Mm -hmm. And what you need to do is, is recognize that practice for the sake of just doing practice in a routine, as opposed to practice for the sake of improvement is the way to go. Because I think the focus on improving every single day is what always shut my previous practice sessions down. That's what I would say. Because when I go, you go like three days sometimes and you just make like a shitty thing on the third day. You know, people say the same and thing about like, oh, stuff, like, worth it. stuff yeah. like weight loss or exercise or whatever, yeah. which is 
if you like, let's say, let's say you have a goal to run a, a six minute mile or something like that. And you, and so you go time yourself every day. Mm-hmm. Some days you're going to be slower. Yeah. Especially after days you were particularly fast. Yeah, yeah you did go real fast. You're like, oh man, at this rate, I'm going to extrapolate. At this rate, I'm going to be running a two minute mile in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, but there's regression to the mean. Right. And then all there's of a sudden, plateaus. the next day, you go 15 seconds slower. Mm-hmm. And then you get upset. Then you miss a day. And then you go back. And now you're even slower. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little boot. You know, don't just say, I'm just going to run for like at least X mm-hmm. amount of time mm-hmm. a day. And then. After a month, I'm just going to, I'm just going to see what my time is, Yeah, but who gives a shit? Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> chances are, it's probably going to be faster, but it may not be, but we, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Because the point is actually the running yeah. or the doing of That's the art. Very interesting. Because given enough of it, you're going to be good. Because well, you, you have to appreciate that, that being able to run a six minute mile doesn't really do much for you. In no. your day to day. But running. But running every day. Is really good. Does a lot for you. Especially running real fast. Yeah. Also, it feels yeah. awesome. But running at all is better than not running. Right. Fast. Because if you don't have a scooter, then you've already lost. Well, here's, yeah, right. <laughs> here's the So I heard this quote the other day, um, which I think is kind of relevant, which was uh, someone was going back to get a degree at the age of like 60, get a new degree. And one of their friends was like, well, Why are you going to do this? Like, you're not going to have, by the time you're, like, you're going to have when you're 64, you know, why do you even care? And they're like, Well, I'm going to be 64 anyways when I'm 64. I may right. as well have a degree. Before <laughs> with a degree, and I think yeah, I think there's, <laughs> there's a brilliant point in there, you know, which is just like which is it's 2018. It's 2018. Who gives a fuck? Go do stuff. Yeah, you know. So that's a very interesting question. All right, know. so we it's got time, we got time for one more question. Right. This is a good one, and I I mean, don't jump on this right away. This is a thinker. Okay. Giant muskrat says, "Why can I touch my toes when I stand and bend over, but not when I sit on my butt?" Do your legs get longer <laughs> when you sit down? I'm going to try this real quick. Wait, wait you can when you're standing and can't when you're sitting? Yes. I know. My, I think my I off know. the cuff answer is gravity. I think it's gravity. Because your, your upper body. Oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> he can't do it, folks. But uh, it's, it's, you're, you're in the same body position. It's got to be gravity, right? Because if you think about it, like if you're way, what do you weigh, Sam? One, 180? 80. 75, 80. Well, probably, probably slightly more than half of that weight is upper body. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you're, you got, you're just, you're throwing a whole bunch of weight. So over. you probably got like. But I'm flexing when I'm sitting on the ground. Like yeah. I'm trying to get. So, but so, you're trying to flex like 80 pounds. So if somebody sat behind you. No, no, but like it feels tighter. If I'm somebody just, sat behind you and pushed 90 pounds of force on your back while you were sitting, maybe that. Maybe that yeah, that'd probably it. do it. I don't know. It, I just try because it actually feels tighter when you're sitting down. I mean, the only alternative is that, you, in fact, yes, your legs do <laughs> just get longer because, but again, because gravity. No, right? I think I think what it might be is yeah. So gravity basically squishes gravity your legs squishes out. your legs and pulls your upper body down. So there's a double. There's I'm a wondering double what it is, is when you there. sit on the ground. You have you have pressure from gravity on your ass, right? Which you're like in your hamstrings and everything. So you have pressure on the things that you're mm. trying to stretch. Right, because it's, pull, it's pulling your muscles back. So oh, you, you know what it is. It's so like, one thing I know about physics is that everything has gravity. Everything with mass has gravity. That's true, yes. Right? And so it's also possible that you, when you're bending over, you're pulling the earth upward. You know, toward <laughs> Into your body a little bit. Toward yeah. your toes. But of course, when you're, when you're sitting, you know, it pulls the earth upward and that just hits your butt. And then that doesn't <laughs> help you at all. Right? <laughs> so. Hmm. I don't think that checks out. I don't know. That's a very good it's question. It's not the earth. It's you. It's your own gravity. That's the problem. <laughs> it's from. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you focus on just becoming more massive, mm-hmm. then eventually, well, I guess, I guess it wouldn't help you while sitting down no matter what. So. Nope. <laughs> that's weird. Great good, question. Good observation too. I would want to know how this came about. That was my second question. <laughs> I like the idea that giant muskrat is there. Is it, he's stretching. He's, he's like, like he's stretching. Wait a second. I need to ask Butterscotch. <laughs> there's, there's one group of people there's, who will know the answer. There's one question. squad <laughs> who would know. I don't know why. I just did it. It's true. It's weird. And this is, I think, an important point. Hmm. Because when you take those body age tests. They make you, you sit. They make you sit when you do the toe touching mm-hmm. test. Well, I guess part of it is because they want to test how far past your toes you can reach. But you can't do. If you, which is harder to do you when the ground the is there. 
Just clip it. Just, just clip. stand on it. Just you clip. can just stand on a board. No, just clip it. <laughs> clip through the earth. All right, cool. Not every, not every, <laughs> clip it in there. Not every company who has does body age tests just has an elevated a milk crate. plank or milk crate uh-huh. just laying around. Yeah, sorry, so, it's hard to get, hard to find. Mm-hmm. But most of them have floors, so <laughs> yeah, that you can clip you can into, sit on, and then or clip into. Yep. So, all right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> We'd like to thank our producer Fat Bard for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch. Come say hello. I gotta say, it's really hopping in there these days. Mm -hmm. It's a good crew. We're pushing like 600,000 people. (laughs) We have uh, almost as many users as Discord itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whenever you hear Discord reporting on their like monthly active users, That's you're right. just it's talking about us, mm-hmm. our server. Huge. Yep. Biggest. Um, and server. I think maybe like six people are playing Fortnite. Uh, like and then the yeah. rest are just on our mm-hmm. server. And so it's a it's good place to hang out. It's a great community. It's very large. Uh, also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. We also have a mailbox. Uh, so if you want to send us whatever, if you want to build like a small clay figurine, mm-hmm. send us that. <laughs> People have done this. It's awesome. It's it's amazing. And we're building a collection. Yeah. So, you know, go ahead and do that. Um, and also, uh, if you'd like to give us a tip, give us some cash money as a, you know, as a token of appreciation for, for whatever it is that we're doing here, <laughs> uh, talking about smart toilets and stuff. You can- <laughs> We're bringing tremendous value uh-huh. to the world. Yep. Okay. Uh, so you can head on over to tips.bscotch.net, and uh, we appreciate that tremendously. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.